We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind of My Money presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, joined as always by Martin Palomo of Pinnacle. Thank you for being here with us. We're taping around midday on uh, Thursday, July the 13th. Hope you're having a great week, a great summer as uh, we get closer and closer to the fall. Um, I'll tell you real quick, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it and ask for our friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. Get your quote. The rest is up to you. You can shop it around. You can do what I've done, but I recommend that you do, and that is hop into a Clark Ford today, 662 662- Two five seven nineteen hundred and Martin. Before we uh, get rolling with some topics today, tell the people, please, sir, how they can get in touch with you guys at Pinnacle and maybe what's going on there. Yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, man, we are. It's kind of weird to actually say we're we're kind of rounding third for summer. Uh, it almost feels like summer just started, and uh, and we're about to be we're about to be wrapped up. School starting back. Uh, football season starting back, people kind of getting back into the swing of things, which generally for us, you know, tends to be a little bit, uh, we're really busy in the fall running all the way really to, uh, to, to Thanksgiving. But um, man, it's kind of been, it's been a nice, it's been a nice summer. We have a little bit of, we've had a little bit of time. We've had a couple conversations with, with some of our listeners, which we, we really appreciate it when, uh, you know, when we get to, when we get to talk to folks that are, that are fans of the show and, and like what we do and and some of them we can help and some of them you know we we give advice to and say hey it's it doesn't make sense for either you or for us at the moment and when it does we'll kind of circle the wagon back up but um but yeah man one of the things that uh you know we really have been we really tried to focus on for folks is is making sure we have uh the plan in place and kind of everything buttoned up and that looks different for different people at different phases of life and you know, I know the last show we kind of talked about, you know, one of the questions or one of the topics we've been talking about with or been asked, you know, uh, as of late was kind of 
what happens if something happens to me and I can't work? And we've, you know, we talked, we talked about that on the last show and, and that is a part, an important part of the planning process. It's not, most people think it's just investments because that's what you and I really talk about the most is the economy, you know, the, the markets, what's going on. And the, the those are all important parts of planning, but it is not planning. Um, it's just a part of it. But, um, but man, I, you know, if we've got, if listeners are out there and they haven't done it, haven't thought about it, or they just do the, uh, the investment piece on their own and, and want, uh, you know, a second opinion or suggestions, uh, give us a call 601-957-0323. Uh, you can also email us at info at com. So I know there's a lot of, uh, I never know how to read the numbers because in, in today's, <laughs> in today's news, everything come. Yeah you have people that go, Oh, look, inflation's down. And you have people that go, Oh, those aren't real numbers. There's a bake numbers. There's a lot going on. When you look at some of the numbers that come out that say inflation's down, unemployment, whatever, whatever, what's, what's your general feel for the, the lay of the economic land as we speak here on July the 13th? Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. Cause you know, uh, the last show, well, I have, I have a, I have a chart that I love from JP Morgan that really talks, it breaks inflation down on a, on the subsectors or the subcomponents of the inflation numbers. And then uh, also on a month, month over month basis. And the last time we talked, we really kind of talked about that month over month that we had really rolled over and things were going in the right direction. And then, you know, here we are a week later and we got the print yesterday for inflation and uh, the numbers are actually down more than, than what we expected. So, the and that, and that's why you saw such the you know that huge rally yesterday in the markets and then um you know and even today uh stocks are are doing well um because what that you know kind of translating what all of that means is you know whenever the fed has to raise interest rates the general effect on stocks is negative so that's why you know like last year Fed raised interest rates significantly. I mean, the most aggressive rate hike that we've had in most of our uh, lives. Uh, there was a pretty aggressive one, you know, several decades ago. But um, I was uh, probably still wearing a diaper uh, when it happened. And most of our listeners either didn't care or weren't born, um, you know, when when that was happening. But so kind of translation, usually if when rates are going up, uh, that's kind of bad for stocks. Uh, it's bad for bonds, bad for stocks. But generally speaking, the Fed is not really, really active or as active as it's had to be really since 2008. So anyway, to to turn all of that Greek into English, um, you know, the Fed, the economy has been performing really well. Um, you know, and one of the one of the the fears that that was out there is that if the fed raises interest rates too quickly or too much that it's going to throw us into a recession. Well, the recession hasn't come and the fed has been continuing to raise rates. You know, the unemployment numbers have come in, you know, we're still under our long-term unemployment, um, you know, numbers. So like the labor, the, the labor markets have yet to like weaken significantly. So what that's telling the fed is, we can keep raising rates because jobs are not getting cut yet. Now, 
um, you know, so generally what kind of happens is if the, if inflation's running hot, the tool that they have is the Fed has us raising rates. So what happened yesterday, inflation numbers, numbers came in lower than expected. So that kind of means that it was like the Fed without having to raise rates, you know, and, and essentially uh, watched the inflation rates come down. So they don't, it's not like they don't have a, they don't have a need or an urge to jump in there and and do another rate hike. Now we probably will get one more. We might get two more, um, you know, this year, probably the end of, uh, like when is I'm trying to think of the last cycle, uh, we, we missed in June, I think the end of July is our next meeting and then the beginning of September. So we might get, we might get one at the end of July, a rate hike, but with inflation coming down, it's not a, it's not a sure thing. It kind of was going to be a sure thing that we would get another rate hike in July. Uh, but with inflation numbers kind of rolling over and coming down, uh, you know, the fed may not have to take action because action was, you know, the results are, are already there. So what does all that mean for stocks? Well, if the Fed doesn't raise rates, then stocks can say, hey, we have a little bit more certainty about what earnings are going to look like. You know, earnings season is starting right now with stocks. And um, we thought we might have, you know, recession in the last half of the year. But, man, it's kind of looking more and more likely that we will have what they call the soft landing. So able to choke inflation out without rolling the economy over, which is good for stocks and good for investment portfolios. So, you know, the, I know that was a lot of talking and I tried to, you know, make English out of, out of that Greek. So, you know, highlights of that, uh, fed raise interest rates is bad for stocks. Um, inflation going up means the fed's going to need to raise interest rates. But inflation's rolling over and it's coming down. So the Fed may not have to take action. And the economy hasn't been choked yet. So, you know, all all that to say, it's pretty probable that we're going to have, you know, continue to have the year, a good year for stocks. And if you're looking at your portfolio, um, you know, your S&P, the S&P 500 just kind of crossed over um, the January, the January, I mean, the June 2022 um, highs of 4,400. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like it took us a year to kind of get back to, to zero, but we're, we're almost at zero. And if the year continues to go well, then, you know, we probably end up, we probably end the year ahead of when everything started falling apart last year. So Remind me to ask you a question about jobs, jobs. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question about jobs, but first uh, you're, you're everything you just said, um, unless you are a doppelganger for Greg Ip of the wall street journal, he's agreeing with you and you are separate people. He, uh, he writes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he writes Americans, two biggest economic worries. This is in the wall street journal. Americans, two biggest economic worries are recession and inflation. The two are connected. The more stubborn inflation remains the more likely it will take a recession to get it down. Yep. The latest data suggests the risk is diminishing. Headline inflation has slid from 9.1% in June last year to 4% in May and 3% in June of this year. Much of the latest month's drop was technical, a surge in prices 
in June 2022 finally dropped out of the 12-month calculation because that won't be repeated, headline inflation could rise in coming months. More encouraging is that underlying inflation has edged lower in recent months, even though the labor market has yet to weaken significantly. This suggests the odds of a soft landing in which inflation returns close to the Fed's 2% target without a recession are improving. It says two forces have been at work since inflation bubbled up in 2021. The first is transitory shocks to supply chains, energy, yep. real estate, and the labor force brought on by the pandemic, stimulus, yep. and war. Yep. The second is the underlying forces of supply, demand, and expectations. Only once the transitory effects recede will we know whether those underlying forces have left inflation. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, I'll say, hey, Greg, uh, yep. way to write way to write my my article, Mr. Ip. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but, you know, and I guess the good thing is. This is a big is, moment for Mr. and Mrs. Ip. How, how exciting. They just got validation from Martin for their son. Greg, for their son. The article in the Wall Street <laughs> Journal. I mean, what That's a moment. Right. I mean, what a moment. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm a little teary-eyed. This is, I mean, this you know, is Greg's, just a special moment. Greg's my boy. He's a listener to the show. That's why he wrote this Clearly. article, because Clearly. he's he's been listening to what we've been saying. He <laughs> listened to last week's show, and he's like, you know what? Martin's right, and I'm going to write an article about it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I guess, like, the good thing is, is th there is, all, and all, all joking aside, there is validation for what we're saying from a, I mean, I don't, the Wall Street Journal is a pretty smart periodical, pretty smart writers, and, uh, you know, that's, we're kind of saying the same thing, and it's, and it is true. Um, and, you know, one of the things, for, the thing he talked about with the supply and demand piece this did, it did start off as a supply chain issue, uh, but that's not the issue, you know, any longer. That hadn't been the hiccups. It was really government money post supply chain, you know, hiccups that that really caused, uh, you know, all this inflation. But if you look at like even gas prices, you know, I remember they got up into the like I had to fill up this morning. Uh, I was on, you know, on empty. I had like 50 miles to empty. Uh, I have an F-150. And it's the, I don't know, is it 22 gallon? Maybe it's a 22 gallon tank. I can't remember the size of my tank. Uh, uh, we have mine, the same truck. What's yours? Oh, uh, mine's like a 35 gallon tank. That may be right. Cause it was 75 bucks or $79 to fill up. Um, and that would make sense. Cause it was like two seventy nine a gallon is what I paid. Um, yeah, Greg but, writes, Greg writes here that gasoline prices are roughly back to where they were before Russia invaded Ukraine. Yes, well, because I was going to, I was going to say, you remember last year? I mean, they got up to, like, we're like, it was costing me one hundred and thirty, hundred and forty dollars to. Did it get to five dollars a gallon to to fill my truck up? It was in the fours. Yeah, it was in the upper uh, fours. It was expensive. Yep. It was it it was there was sticker shock where you would get mad when you filled up your car. Yeah, well, and I mean, and that drives so so much of the price, um, you know, price increases for sure. the things we use on a daily basis is you know the price of petroleum so when it settles it's certainly i mean for the middle class and most people don't think about this but gasoline is, is really the most important data point the middle class should be looking at for knowing you know are they going to be hammered or are they not going to be hammered and i think a lot of that is abating but folks have a little bit higher earnings you know than we had you know last year and year before so uh you know with gasoline kind of settling back down there is a little bit more money left over at the end of the month in people's pockets 
than this time last year. And I know we're rolling into an election cycle. Uh, I know that that will be probably one of the things that they, you know, at least I would expect the Democrats to talk about a lot is uh, where we are now versus versus where we were. But I will say, you know, for folks who are doing it yourself, there's so many data input, in, inputs that like Reed and I and and even Eric with us are looking at on a regular basis to make decisions on what we do for our clients. And man, I just don't know how folks that have a like a full-time job that are do-it-yourselfers that are maybe trying to read at the end of the night or read in the morning and and make investment decisions. Nope. There's just so much stuff that happens now that it's so difficult to do that. And I mean, your best thing to do if you're doing it on your own is to just say, hey, I'm going to be, you know, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and I'm just going to leave it and I'm never touching it. I'm not going to look at my stuff and I'm not going to make any adjustments. That's the only, that's the only other way you can win, you know, doing this. If you're trying to make adjustments based on, you know, economic input, data inputs, I mean, we spend a large portion of our time researching, reading, and and trying to and talking with each other about making decisions. And sometimes we're indecisive. And you know, when we do this for a living for the last twenty years, so uh, I imagine it gives anxiety to, you know, to the average person who's trying to do it on their own. Uh, back to Mister Ip's story, just kind of backing up what you're saying. Airfares shot up 50, 20% between the start of the pandemic and June 2022. They've fallen 19% since, including 8% last month. Between awesome. the start of the pandemic and January 2022, used car prices shot up 55%. They've fallen 8% since, including 0.5% last month. Auction data suggests further declines are in store. The cost of housing... One of the biggest components of the consumer price index soared during the pandemic thanks to low mortgage rates, pandemic-driven migration, and construction material shortages. Yep. But private measures of rent increases have slowed dramatically in the last month, and that, too, should nudge official inflation rates lower in coming months. Yeah. So yeah, remember, we talked about that yeah. um, last week uh, in my – man, I really wish I could show – I wish I could show charts to all of our listeners. Like I wish that I had a screen share well, for our listeners start. to where we can, uh, we can start doing that. We can, we can go, uh, we can, there's a way to do it. Uh, I can, what I can do, we will talk about it later. There is a way to do okay. that. Yeah. Cool. Well, because reason being is there's this great, I call it my jelly bean chart. Cause it's made, it's got a couple different colors, but mostly it's either like uh, shades of red, yellow, or green. You know, obviously, like red being red bad, yellow caution, green good, uh, and it's uh, it really breaks inflation down. You know, at the headline level, the core and year over year, but more importantly, the month over month. Which year over year is important because it tells us kind of like, hey, what what is annualized inflation look like? But month over month, I think is even more important because it tells us direction and trend. Because you know, in the year over year, we're looking at literally one-year-old data but if you remember the last year versus this year are two totally different environments so it's it's like is the data meaningful from last year i mean yeah but those aren't the prices you're paying today so i mean it's important but it's not as important as i think month over month but anyway it does break down 
like core services is 60% of the whole inflation number. And core services include shelter, like rent and owner uh, equivalent rents, medical care services, and transportation services. But the biggest piece of that whole deal is the shelter piece, which is th- shelter is 35% of the entire uh, inflation number. And what you just read, which is also true, is like those numbers, the owner equivalent rents and then rents of, you know, your of your primary residence have been declining and falling. But a lot of that, and what I was trying to say last, last time we talked was a lot of the data that's in there is stale because of how they have to calculate it. It's about a year old data. And, and the Fed knows that. Powell knows that, but they still have to make projections. So kind of what they're saying in a nutshell is if we're starting to see the numbers roll over in the rent and shelter space, that's really kind of nine month to 12 month old data. So it's probably even more now it's down even further, but that number doesn't print into the, to the CPI number. You can kind of see in my jelly bean chart that you can't see that everything in rent and shelter is delayed by about a year from everything else. Versus like gas, which you have a price on immediately, you know, electricity, utility, gas, food. We know that price cars. We know those prices right now. I wanted to ask for clarity, clarity, and I've asked this before and you've explained it and I'm not smart enough to remember what you said there. I admitted it. I'll I'll take that compliment. No, call me smart. You're, you're very smart. You're smarter than me. Lots, lots smarter than me, which is, which is. Good for you. It's bad for me, but it is. What I don't know, dude. Maybe in finance, but I don't. I think in life, you probably got me. Anyway, why is it? Why is it that the the Fed, the markets? Why do they want unemployment numbers to go up? Why do they? Why is low unemployment a bad thing? Yep. So let's break apart a couple of components of employment. Okay. So. And the inflation piece too. So wage inflation is um, is a really important part of of overall inflation. So when wage inflation is kind of in check and at historical averages, then you don't have you don't have if you if it's too high, you have a whole lot of extra cash chasing products. So it's naturally going to stimulate a little bit of inflation in you know, in, in the marketplace. But if everything is kind of held constant or everything's kind of tracking along at the same rate, you know, you may have products, you know, are more expensive by 3% each year, but wages only go up by 3% each year. So it's all kind of ceteris paribus. It's all equal in the end, essentially the same amount of dollars are chasing the same amount of product. But if wage inflation is 6% and product inflation is 3 you know, you have more cash in your pockets left over at the end of the month so you can buy more stuff, which if supply and demand holds true, if the supply is fixed, but the demand is higher because you have more cash then the price of that product, you know, of that TV, of that, you know, uh, iPhone or whatever is going to go, is going to go up to where, you know, the dollars are chasing it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. So prices are going to rise, which naturally stimulates inflation, and then we have you know, we have supply or demand-based, um, you know, inflation numbers. Well, the way that you end up with higher wage inflation is when there aren't enough people to fill jobs. The, you know, employers get kind of uh, desperate and they'll say like, hey, I'll give you, you know, more cash or or a person may demand, you know, a higher wage to come, you know, fill a spot. Like this morning I was running with one of my buddies and his wife and she's a CFO of a bank you know, here. And she asked me, she said, you know, do you know anyone that's a controller? We're looking to hire a controller for the bank. And I was like, you can't find a, you know, a controller. And she's like, well, the ones that we've talked to, um, you know, that uh, are qualified want an astronomical amount of money. And she's like, and we're already willing to pay above market price for that, but they're getting to the point to where they're so desperate that they're probably going to pay, you know, a higher, you know, a higher uh, wage than what the market would normally give for it. So when there's when there's less people to fill jobs, so unemployment numbers are lower, um, you know, or we're we're more employed than average, then it it stimulates or causes wage inflation to be, you know, in the picture. But if we are at full employment, which historically is around, you know, four or five percent unemployed so 95 percent employed uh you know there's there's not a whole lot of job openings um you know everything's kind of in check and and everything works together uh there's not any one side of the of the equation you know out of balance so you know and generally speaking you know wages kind of grow at the pace of normal inflation so yes gasoline tomorrow will cost more than gasoline today, but you should have an equivalent amount of more dollars from your cost of living adjustment, you know, raise in your check to cover, you know, the cost, uh, the rising cost of, of gas. So when everything works in harmony, no issues, but when one of those gets out of, out of whack, it causes, it causes issues. Gotcha. Okay. So I know I had to go around the world to get there, but really what's important about being underemployed 
is that it allows for wage inflation to be higher than it should be. When we're fully employed, you know, people aren't desperate. Uh, people can't really make demands that are, workers can't make demands that are unreasonable and get them. How much of unemployment, how much of the employment numbers are people getting part-time jobs? Does that factor in or are these? Mm -hmm. It does, man. And actually that's a little bit of the employment number. That's I think the, the employment and unemployment number, unemployment numbers are, are a little bit skewed because one of the great examples that I heard used, and I'll say it, uh, it was, it was very easy for me to follow was uh, like the tech industry in California. Some of those guys that worked for uh, Google and, you know, Meta, um, you know, all the Twitters that they got laid off. And let's say they were making, I don't know, $200,000 just for sake of argument. Well, they still need that 200 grand to to live off of. So, um, you know, maybe they they go, they take a lesser paying job, um, you know, making 75 or 80,000 bucks doing some tech stuff. And then they drive, you know, for Uber, um, and they drive for Lyft and they do, um, you know, 75, $80,000 a year and, and driving fares. And then maybe they have like a little side hustle or something like that. Well, the employment data counts that as three jobs created, even though it's really one person that lost one job, but is doing part-time work at a tech, a tech firm, part-time driving, and he has a side hustle. The, the, labor of, the little uh, Department of Labor Statistics will count that as three people uh, or three jobs when it's really just one person doing uh like three jobs. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. it doesn't make sense, but does my yeah. explanation say that's why the unemployment numbers are a little bit fuzzy because, you know, unemployment really could be 5%, but we've got people doing, th they're getting counted three times. Uh, one person getting counted three times. So it looks like it may be, you know, uh, two and a half or three or three and a half when it's really five. Yeah, it's. I read something about the part time and how that's a way you can really skew. The yep. numbers can be baked. The numbers can be skewed. Not 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 in a, in a nefarious way, but just in a the numbers don't necessarily. When you see the low unemployment, you go, "Isn't that great?" It's not necessarily as low as it looks. That obviously, you'd rather a person have a full time job that that makes a lot of money than having three part-time jobs that make a in, in total a fraction of that money. Yeah. Well, dude, you know, one of the things that was really surprising to me. So when I was in, I was in San Diego two weeks ago for a conference and I, I talked to every time I get in a Uber, you know, I talk to the drivers and I'm just a very curious person, but I've really never talked to them about their earnings. I just kind of ask like, Hey, you know, like, where do you live? How long have you been doing this? And a lot of times, when I'm like, if I'm in San Diego, I'll get, you know, guys that are not from, that are not American, that are from somewhere else that came here. Anyway, so there was this dude that drove, um, that drove me from the airport to my hotel. And um, we were just chit chatting. And I was like, well, man, I was like, what did you, I was like, have you always, 
you know, been a driver. And he's like, yeah, I've been driving for, you know, 10 years. And he was like, but I used to just drive kind of part-time. And I was like, okay. And he's like, you know, I worked in a, in a restaurant and, you know, that, that was my full-time gig. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, well, so you're not working restaurants anymore. And he's like, no, uh, you know, when, once COVID hit, it kind of, we got shut, you know, we got shut down here and he was like, but you know, I had a kid and it was a pain in the ass for, you know, if I had to take him to a doctor's appointment or do something, you know, my boss was making me cover my shift and, and he's like, it was really, it was really tough, which I get, man. I worked in a, I worked in restaurants when I was in college and you can't just not be there. Someone needs to cover or else folks are not going to get served. But he told me that he has been driving full-time and that in, in San Diego, uh, that last year he made about $120,000 driving for Uber. And okay. this year he said he'll probably make about 140. He's like, I made, you know, uh, $60,000 in my restaurant job. And he's like, and now I have full freedom. I can drive when I want to or not drive. No one's telling me what to do. He's like, and I make better money. I was like, man, I, I was like in Jackson, Mississippi, that will ne no one will make. <laughs> I think it's impossible to make $120,000 driving for Uber. We just don't have that many no. fares. And, no. uh, but man, I could not believe that, that you could make that kind of money. Uh, and I wonder if like some of our guys in Jackson that are Uber drivers, I wonder if they drive down to New Orleans or up to Memphis on the weekends and well, I know on the football drive weekends, on the football weekends they drive up here and drive. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I just never thought about that, man. I was like, I, I, I always is so awful. I just assumed that people only did Uber like as a supplement to their normal job, and they probably made you know a couple thousand dollars a year driving. I, I had no idea that there was that kind of money. Well, there's probably, and there's probably a lot of people that do that. Um, I know somebody that's an Uber did some Uber driving on the side and ended up turning it into a side hustle as basically driving people from around here to the Memphis airport and back. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's a, I love um, in America, man, there's a, a million ways to make a million dollars. I love that. It's things like, that's what I tell my kids, man, is it, is it's, you just got to hustle, right? You got to hustle. Yeah. If, if you'll For hustle, a little while. For a little while, you got to. Yeah, you just got to hustle. And if you'll hustle, usually, not always, but usually it works out that there's going to be some adversity. It's going to be some toughness. It's going to hurt. But usually, if you just hustle, that's half the battle. And yeah. obviously, intelligence matters and talent matters and, yeah. and things like that. A little that. bit of timing. Yeah, and luck. I mean, it's, it's, it's like winning a championship. Every, every team in any sport that ever wins a championship at the end of the season, when you look back on it, you're like, Oh, you remember that day? Oh, that was a lucky break. Yeah. It just takes a little, it takes a little luck. And sometimes luck goes against you, but for the most part, if you'll just hustle, yep, you got a shot. And dude, I, and I think that was the whole plea of you know, uh, the immigrants are the whole attraction of the immigrants of immigrants to the U S I mean, and my family being one of them, you know, uh, that in, a, in the U S you can come and if you're willing to hustle, uh, that there's a really high likelihood that you will have a reasonably good life. And, 
and not starve and be, you know, in poverty. Um, you know, and I think, well, all right, I'm going to go non-political on this topic. I know it's going to be hard to be non-political. Okay. But the, so I think one of the reasons the inflation number, I mean, the unemployment numbers are so low has been because we have had almost no immigration since COVID as well. And, you know, a lot of our economy from the, call it the 40s, 50s, all the way through now has really been built on the back of, uh, you know, of immigrants and coming in and filling in. You're referring to legal immigration. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, yeah. Not not illegal immigration, yes. Um, but we haven't had, you know, uh we have we've had really strict immigration policies uh since COVID. And you know, when I was working for Cambridge in DC, one of uh one of the guys well actually he was on our show. Uh we talked with Marcos. Uh we talked uh crypto stuff with him. Gosh, man, that's probably two years ago. Uh, Marcus Veramus. Veramus. Uh-huh. Uh, he was Greek, uh, born in Greece, uh, you know, very well educated, uh, came to the U.S., went to school here, stayed here, raised his family. Uh, dude, he's a huge contributor to, um, you know, to to the economy, too. And, like, there are many people like him, but I know the it's been tough. Immigration policy has been has been pretty tough since COVID. And not saying that we should uh you know just open the floodgates but probably once immigration policy legal immigration policy kind of returns back to a pre-covid or maybe a pre-trump um you know levels it'll probably help with some of the the unemployment stuff too yeah yeah again non-political just you did that well you did that well you you handled (laughs) you handled that in the I had to ask because I could almost hear the people going, Martin, have you not watched the news there? But you, I know, I know, I knew what you meant. I just was clarifying. There you go. Hey man, we, we danced a political topic without talking <laughs> politics. That'll probably be the one, that'll be the one time we've done it. <laughs> we did. We did. We made it. We made it. We made, we made it through a show without even having a political conversation. I know we're at the end. I was like, should we, should we stop and give our listeners a, that one show where we didn't talk politics when we, when we've always said, Hey, you have to talk politics to talk about finance or should we just talk politics and kill her and keep our streak alive? <laughs> keep the streak alive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, the, the one political story that's out there. That's just, you just I love it. We're going to keep the streak alive. It's, it's I go fast is there's these rumors that I guess it's federal indictments on the, January 6th stuff is coming um, against the former president. And you just begin to wonder how many times can one person be indicted over and over and over before that person just snaps. I'll give Trump this. Most people with facing all of this, it would, they would be having a nervous breakdown. Um, He, he doesn't appear to be having a nervous breakdown. He, He might should have a nervous breakdown he might be in denial but he he doesn't appear to be flummoxed by it if anything he appears to be fueled by it but it's just well i think he i think he loves i think he he eats the attention up man i mean i think you're right being fueled by any attention what is it they say there's no such thing as negative press 
uh, he is he is the embodiment of that. Well, he clearly, he, I, I mean, listen, I don't want that kind of press. So I, I don't either, man. I mean, I, it would it would eat me up. I mean, my my I would be chewing so many tums that you 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 would be best investing in their stock. I mean, I would just it, I would be blown away. But well, I mean, and, you know, like uh, I, I, and this is why I could never live the public life, um, even though. I'm an open book. I don't care. I mean, I've, we've talked, I've talked about my struggles. I've talked about, you know, things from our past too, but, um, just gosh, what it puts the family through also, uh, I just don't know that he cares about what it puts his family through, but that or they're telling him, Hey, keep going, press on. Well, I don't That might be the case. I'm I'm speculating that they, that it, that it harms the family, but, they it may would, be a, would, a bunch of Trumps and they, they enjoy it too. I have a very close knit family. And when one of us is experiencing stress, that stresses the others. Yeah. And so I, they appear to be, this is not a political statement. They appear to be a close knit family, but maybe they're not, they appear to be. And I would have to think this is stressful for the other members of, of the family. I would think so. I would think so, which, all right, side note here, it has nothing to do with Trump, but it kind of, uh, I'm ADD and it made me think of like dysfunctional family and, um, family that are people that have like, are almost, uh, sociopathic. Have you watched the righteous gemstones on HBO? It's, uh, it's, uh, John Goodman and Danny McBride. I had not either. And Jennifer, Jennifer told me, she's like, she's like, you need to watch this. I think you would really enjoy it. And it's just a comedy because they're, they're, uh, they're kind of, they kind of make fun of like the mega churches stuff, like televangelists. Um, but the family, so the families are really wealthy, like televangelist type family. Uh, and the kids, it's, it's so dysfunctional and it's like, I watch, it's just a constant train wreck that's happening. And I'm like, my God, man. And, and the funny thing is, is, uh, you know, of course we work with a lot of families that are high net worth families and it does kind of seem to, it seems like folks that are higher net worth have so many problems with the family, like with the kids. And it may be because, you know, dad was never there, was building the empire or mom was never there. She was building the empire and the kids were kind of, you know, left to their own devices and, and totally dysfunctional, but it, man, it is, it is, it is not, uh, it's not good for your soul, but it is absolutely hilarious for your belly to laugh. So just, I was just ADD moment. Interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll check it out. I need, I need something that makes me laugh. So I, 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 oh, it's, I need it's that stupid. right now. Yeah, it is stupid. All right, we will uh, we'll wrap there. We won't have a show next Thursday. I'll be in Nashville for uh, SEC Media Days. That's Ole Miss's day on Thursday, so I will be um, busy. Yeah, and I'm on a mission trip, so you're doing be- the Lord's work. <laughs> you are doing the Lord's work, and I'm doing somebody's work. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but covering college football, whose work that is, I don't, I don't think it's the Lord's these days. I'll, I'll say that. I don't know whose it is. I don't know. I mean, I college football is a religion in the South, so. That is true. That is true. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing Nick Saban's work then. But. That's right. <laughs> oh man, we could have so many funny little comments about that. I'll I won't though. 
So we will be back in two weeks. I uh, hope you guys enjoy uh, the, the the rest of this week. Hope you have a great weekend. We certainly appreciate you making us a part of your week. The numbers show that you uh, enjoy doing that, and we certainly appreciate that very, very much. Um, don't forget you can get in touch with Martin and all of the people at Pinnacle at mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. So for uh, Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.